Hey, I'm Kyla. And I'm Travis, the husband. And welcome back to the embalming table. So before we get too deep into our story, I wanted to tell you guys a little bit about the Lawrence Smithfield case. Lawrence Smithfield was a 23-year-old black woman who went on a date with a 37-year-old white man. His name is Matthew LaFountain, and they met on Bumble. So Lauren and him went on a date and went back to Lauren's apartment, and Matthew, in the morning, called police because she was no longer responding. Um, she was found to have fentanyl, alcohol, and promethazine in her system when she, the autopsy was done, and um, they won't question Matthew at all. Uh, so it's very clear that Matthew is a suspect, but I'm going to say it outright because he's white. He's not getting questioned. Um, the police keep saying that they're not questioning him because he seems like a nice guy. Well, um, let's talk a little bit more about it here for a second because it also came out that the police department actually didn't even tell Lauren's family, like, at all. Wow. How Lauren's family found out was because... They hadn't heard from her in two days, and they went to her apartment, and they seen a note on her door that said, if you're looking for Lauren, call this number, and it was the Connecticut Police Department. And so the detectives on the case basically told the family that they need, they didn't need them involved because they would have just, like, been more pain than good. And so um, they had already performed an autopsy without the family's consent, which is illegal and wrong. <laughs> um, many places, I know at the place that I work at, we can't even do an embalming or any sort of autopsy before we get full family consent. Because in many religions, like you know, it goes against the religious. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, anyways, um, a few police officers in Connecticut have actually been trying to voice their opinions about the police chief and how they handle things and so um a few select officers have even said that they're not surprised that this happened to lauren and how the case was handled so unfortunately there's not much that us as the public can do but the only thing that i can do is to tell you to say her name <laughs> because this isn't getting anywhere near the same attention as the Gabby Petito case. And, you know, that's not right. Everyone deserves justice, so let's try to help bring Lauren's family and Lauren herself some justice. Content warning before we dive into this case. Um, so this does actually involve murder. Crazy, it's a true crime podcast. But um, if you've tried podcasts like this before, or if this is perhaps even the first episode that you're hearing of ours, um, we are probably not your jam if you can't handle sensitive topics. Um, the only big one that I can really give you is that it does involve a nine-year-old, but we don't go into detail we only describe very few little things. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, let's talk about the Flick murders. The Flick murders take place in Rector, Arkansas. Rectum, baby. For those of you who don't know Rector, rest assured you're not missing out on, like, 
anything at all. It's just like an itty bitty town that you literally get gas in and you leave. <laughs> if that, you blink and you miss it. You do. The town of Rector is a part of Clay County and has a population of 1,792, which is down 14% from the census in 2010. The median age for this town is 42 years old, and the population is 48% female and 52% male. There's a lot of rednecks there, but, you know, they're all really, there's a lot of good people there. <laughs> David Earl Flick was born on October 21st of 1958. He was married to Barbara Ann Flick, October 29th, 1960. Barbara actually had a son named Aaron Michael Hodge, who was David's stepson. Although in most of my sources that I found said that he was never adopted, but in an article I actually just got done reading said that it was unclear. So I feel like this is kind of um, a common occurrence, especially in the South, like where, um, especially like step parents really don't adopt stepchildren. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what it is. It's just kind of common, um, especially with Aaron being 17 at this moment. Um, he probably would have only been... I'm trying to think. He probably would have been six when they got married or around the time that his little sister was born. Speaking of his little sister, <laughs> um, Andrea Flick was born January 8th of 1984, and from every source I've seen, I do believe that Andrea is David and Barbara's biological child. David had his own transmission company in town, and everyone said that he was friendly. Barbara worked as a nurse, and the same was said about her. That she was friendly, kind, and caring, which you have to be if you're going to be a nurse. <laughs> um, Andrea's nickname was Sissy, which broke my heart a little bit because this is what my siblings call me, but I also feel like it's what every sister in the South is called. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, she was known for how popular she was in school and in multiple sources, they um, all talked about how much she loved football, and she was beautiful. Like, she even won beauty pageants. Yeah. So, on the topic of beauty pageants, let me talk about the Rector Labor Day Parade. This is the biggest, single-handedly the biggest event Rector has every year. It happens on what day? Labor Day, obviously. <laughs> but, um, like, literally there are signs in the town that when you're leaving and going and whatnot, they say, like, home of the Labor Day Parade famous for Labor Day Parade, things like that. So one of the big things is, like, the population is 1,700, but, like, the population becomes double that, like, 3,000, 4,000. It's even been 10,000 before. This is a very big event where people from all over the area and even out of state come in. Which is crazy. Which is crazy for this little town because all, it's not, like, a huge picnic. Like, I don't know how picnics in big cities or anything like that go, <laughs> but, like, it's literally... Just small, like, barbecue stands, like, hamburgers that are, like, just, like, not super... Like, they're really good. They do... They make... They make... <laughs> they got some of the best barbecue. I'm not kidding. But, um... A big thing they have there is, like, the pageants. So, like, every girl in Rector and, like, people that come in state, like, get in them and it's super competitive. So, like, to win that, that's a big deal. So I'm just trying to say context on this, but this event is really a huge deal. Right, which actually we learned that the um, the Labor Day picnic actually um, is used to help fund the cemetery. Yeah, so most picnics in the area, not even most, I'm pretty sure all of the picnics in the area, like they're all family, not family owned per se, but like there's a family that works them. 
Right. And then all the proceeds go to cemetery to help with upkeep and things of that nature. Aaron was described by his friends as a normal teenager. Some of his friends said that other boys were actually jealous of him because he was, quote, quote, attractive. Which, I mean, hey, if that's your type, that's your type. But I seen a picture of him in jail and he is not it <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, his grandma said that he was mild-mannered. However, some other classmates said that he, quote, quote, had his days. Another girl went into detail about how when he had his days, um, she wouldn't say that he was a monster, but he was definitely, like, violent. Um, his issues were so bad within his family home that his parents actually wanted him to go to jail. Oh. Like, I guess he did have some behavioral issues, um, clearly, um, we know from most accounts that he actually did hate his stepfather, mm-hmm. which I mean, I get it, but <laughs> <laughs> violence isn't the answer, but apparently to Aaron it was. Because on October 14th of 1995, three bodies were found within the Flick home. It only took police a few short hours later to detain and promptly arrest Aaron. The bodies were so badly decomposed that when the police arrived, they couldn't determine the cause of death while they were on scene. That's horrible. They had to wait until the autopsy was performed. Wow. But they do end up finding out that all of their causes of death was a gunshot wound. Investigating the house, police had found David on the bedroom floor, face down with Barbara on the bed covered up with a white sheet. Andrea was found in her room with her bedroom door locked. Inside of Aaron's room was a shell casing for a 38 caliber on his bed. Barbara and Andrea were only shot once, but they were shot close range. David, on the other hand, had been shot three different times. Whoa. Police also assumed that David was killed in the living room, but then dragged to the bedroom. Police say that the bodies must have been in the home for at least a week. That's crazy. Like, that's a week of just... Mm. decomposing decomposing and they open so when the detectives started questioning aaron they asked him why he waited so long before reporting the bodies um aaron said that he was scared if he did he would be the main suspect which duh your whole family was just killed and you're not at the house when police are there so i mean yeah that 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 makes you a suspect yeah (laughs) But do you want to know what Aaron was doing while the bodies went unreported? What was he doing? He was partying in the living room and in the garage. But here's the catch. It wasn't a solo party. Oh. He actually had people there. Oh, no. And so as these parties keep going on, his friends are like, what is that smell? It smells horrendous. And Aaron was like, oh, it must be a dead cat under the house. Yeah. Another friend, he told another friend that it was sewage that was backed up. Oh. See, the town of Rector. It's super small. <laughs> it's so small. And it's a, a southern, super Baptist dominant. If you know that stereotype, it's exactly that. Because everyone is talking all the time about everything. So, like, if kids are coming home being like, yeah, the place smelled terrible. And they're like, hmm, that's weird. Uh, because, like, 
he had his dad like has had his own business and everything and they're like they know him and they're like hmm i haven't seen him in a while like, clearly he's not at work yeah so they're like hmm i wonder why it smells i don't know and yeah. like the town would just be i bet would be talking about it so that's actually what happened so not only did the friends start to report the stench and the fact that aaron was home alone concerned parents and neighbors actually did too because yeah. they would see aaron driving around in david's truck and even using his credit cards mm-hmm. um when his friends and neighbors this um like started questioning aaron mm-hmm. about where his family was he just kept telling them that they had left for florida without him and that he would be joining them after his probation was over but in the meantime he was staying with his grandma yeah. so why was he on probation so I actually couldn't find anything about why he was on probation at the moment, but I think that's mainly because he was a minor when this happened. Mm-hmm. Um, he was only 17, but um, he was tried as an adult for this crime that I'm telling you about now. But for any offense before this, he was underage. I don't have anything mm-hmm. to tell you. Like even on the inmate lookup, mm-hmm. there's yeah. no past probations. And honestly, uh, the on a trip to Florida makes so much sense because it always feels like everyone in Arkansas is taking a trip to Florida. Yeah. So, like, I wouldn't doubt it if, like, people there would believe it, you know? Right. And it's October. It's, it's, it's starting October. to get cold. Yeah. So, unfortunately, we don't have the true story of what happened because there was only Aaron left, and he's not the most trustable source. But according to Aaron, he broke into David's transmission shop to steal money and a gun. Aaron claimed it was because David had owed him the money. When he got back home, he went to his room and started counting the money and the bullets. When David arrived home, Aaron had just finished loading his gun. Aaron walked out into the living room where David was and began telling him that he was so happy his mom was leaving him and that they'd be so much happier without him. He even went as far as to tell David that he wished David was dead, but leaving him was so much better. Yeah. How fucked up do you have to be? Crazy. Especially, especially to like a step parent, like Aaron at this time, like I said, is 17. Imagine being 17 and thinking that the only way to like fix your problem is to kill your stepdad. Like you are almost 18. You could move out. Yeah. Like I just, I couldn't imagine that. So, of course, Aaron said that after he told this to David, David tried to get Aaron to fight him, and Aaron said he just left the house. He just left. But when he came back, he found that David, Andrea, and Barbara were dead. He says that David was the one that actually killed them, but I don't think that's true. (laughs) Um, But how would he get three gunshot wounds? Well, apparently, Aaron said that he had shot himself once, but he was so angry that David killed his mother and sister that he shot him an additional two times. There was no real motive for these murders. Everyone knew that Aaron hated his stepfather. During my time researching, I couldn't figure out why specifically. No one said that you know, David was a bad person or that he was like a disciplinary parent or anything like that. Like, I just think it was just a normal, he probably just wanted to be with his dad, but of course his dad, I don't, I I don't actually know what, why his dad wasn't in the picture or if he was at all. Um, but there's, you know, no motive at play here. Mm -hmm. Like it's just purely because he decided that this was the best option. 
So, Aaron pleaded not guilty to the capital murder for the triple death of his family. With two attorneys fighting with him, there was not a chance of the death penalty, only life without the chance of parole. Actually, I'm not too sure if Arkansas is a, uh, a death penalty state, but I do know that we had, I think, the last electric chair literally not too long mm -hmm. ago. Yeah. And so, um, also, I think him being a minor probably helped him, but I do know that he was charged as an adult, so I don't know why he wasn't given, but I know that it's it's a little bit of a iffy topic for many people. Mm -hmm. Um but he only got life without parole, and he was actually sentenced that three different times, one for each person. Um, his friend actually decided to testify for testify for him and said that he was completely sober, like he didn't seem under the influence of drugs or alcohol or anything like that. Um, and apparently, Aaron had even told this friend about his plan to kill David. Wow. Right. It only took uh, it only took three hours to find him guilty of this. Um, he was sentenced to three consecutive sentences of life without parole, and that's where the story ends off at. I I believe a few years ago he got retried, didn't he? So apparently he did, but as far as I can tell. He still has three consecutive life sentences <laughs> without parole. So, um, doing a little bit more research about this, I found out that he has a bunch of violations in prison. Really? A bunch. Oh. <laughs> like, starting all the way in 2014, and his latest one was 718 of 21. So, it's, it's, it's stuff like arson, threats to inflict injury... And then he, I think he has, like, two counts of, like, arson. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And um, a bunch of, you know, not keeping to persons or quarters and stuff like that. Um, and, I mean, hey, he's still in prison. That's really all I've got. I hope he rots disrespectfully. Ditto. Ditto. <laughs> So before we actually end this off and do our end credits, me and Travis actually found out that there is a memorial for Andrea at the rector. It's at the elementary, elementary? school. So yeah, so the the walk-in is like a dome type looking thing, and like they have like a little mulch field. I think it's like a mulch think. garden. Like a mulch garden, and they just have flowers and everything. They have a little plaque. This is like a memoriam of Andrea Flick because she was a student there at the time, obviously. Like, I, I don't think we, like, really emphasize this because it's kind of a bummer to emphasize yeah. when, like, you know, children die. But Andrea was only nine when this happened. She was only nine years old. And that makes her, what, a second grader? Second, third? She was young. Like, she mm -hmm. was really young. And so when we found that out, I thought that that was really precious. And I thought that that was a good way to honor her, mm -hmm. honestly. I wish it was a bit more of a big deal. Because it's just at right. the school and nobody, like, goes to the prison, but, you know. Because I had only heard about it because Travis had told me about it. Like, I've lived in Arkansas. I've lived near this area. And I'd never heard of it, actually. 
so learning about it, you know, this late feels, you know, almost like a, a injustice to mm-hmm. Andrea and David and Barbara, because, you know, I feel very strongly that, you know, we need to keep these names alive. Cause I mean, although it's, it's a tragic event, you know, it's still a part of where you're from and a lot of people don't want to think about it, but it, it happens. Yeah. We still need to like honor the dead in that way. And like with no offense, like it's a small town where people usually either make a big deal or constantly remember things like this. Cause it doesn't happen every day. It's not like a big city to where like this just happens every day it's like a small town where this really affected a community. Right. And like, while we're recording this, we're, um, midway through an ice storm. And I mean, everyone and their mom is talking about what happened in 2009. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, why can't they, you know, keep these memories of these, like, you know, this tragic event, like alive, like you don't even have to like keep saying that it was because of a murder or like, you just be like, Barbara was an awesome person. She was a great nurse or Andrea was gorgeous. She loved Mm -hmm. basketball. Mm -hmm. Like they, you know, and I don't even think David's um, transmission shop is even uh, up and functioning. Yeah. It looks like it was a gas station, mm-hmm. but I don't know which came first, if it was a gas station, mm-hmm. then the transmission shop, and now whatever it is now. Um, the Google Maps only goes back to, what, 2013? 2013. So, yeah, I mean, um, if you're from that area, let us know, because yeah. we have no idea if it's, like, even still functioning. And another thing that's interesting, uh, a few years ago, not really so long ago, I would say anywhere from three to five years, the Flick House was torn down, like bulldozed and everything. And that's crazy to me, but I also, I, I guess I could yeah. see why they would. Because it would, it's, I believe it's been on the market for, it, before it, it was taken for about 10 years and nobody was buying it. So I can't remember who ordered it, but they just bulldozed the house. Yeah, probably, the, probably this city was just like, tear it down. Yeah. Um, so anyways, guys, I think that's really all we have to say, right? Right. Awesome. So anyways, if you want to follow me anywhere, if you want to see what I'm doing, my Instagram is at Kai Boyds. And I don't really do Instagram. So if you ever want to come <laughs> see me, come to twitch.tv forward slash official Travi pet. Uh, no, just official Travi. Yeah. We can, we'll put all these links down in the, what is it? Show, show notes. notes. In the show notes. Good job. Well. But yeah, anyways. Thank you for laying on the embalming table for hopefully what is 20 minutes. (laughs) Um, We will see you guys later. Bye.